Not just cheese and chocolate, a Swinglish podcast about books and other stuff I like. I'm Krista from Switzerland and this is the ninth episode of my podcast. All music used in this podcast is provided by my husband, Rolf. You can contact me via the podcast blog at notjustcheeseandchocolate.wordpress.com where you also find the episode notes and information on all the books and other media I mention. Today, I'll talk about time travel in movies and books. This episode is dedicated to our regular podcast guest Diane from the English Book Club. She did her recording on the day before going to the hospital. Please continue to listen after I finish talking so you don't miss her thoughts on the nature of time. Enjoy! Before I start with today's subject, I want to make a call back to last episode where I talked about adaptations and retellings of Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. I did also mention my fondness for the movie adaptation of Jane Austen's Sense and Sensibility starring the amazing Emma Thompson. And yes, I did make the mistake of saying the book title as Sense and Sensibilities and I'm sorry for it. But what I did not realize at the time was that Emma Thompson did not only act in that movie, she also wrote the script for it and got an Oscar for the script writing. Someone in my favorite Facebook group mentioned two other very important facts. That Emma Thompson later married her younger co-star Greg Weiss. He plays Willoughby in the movie. And that there exists a book version of her script which includes her filming diary. I instantly went on a search for that book, which is no longer in print and sadly not available in electronic format. I found a copy through an online second-hand shop. Before reading it, I listened to the audiobook of the original novel narrated by Rosamund Pike. That way, I could better understand what Thompson had done with the text how true to the original the script was, what she kept and what she added. I had a great time reading the script and then reading the filming diary was the cherry on top. I love a look behind the scenes and will watch the movie with completely different eyes when I do so in the near future. After this prelude, I am now willing to dive into the actual subject which is time travel. I was probably infected with the time travel bug while watching the first Back to the Future movie with Michael J. Fox. I watched all three of them and liked them lots. It made me think about time travel, what it means, what the rules are, what you can change and where the dangers lie. The Back to the Future movies came out in 1985, 1989 and 1990. 
I went on to read and watch quite a few time travel plots and often they do not really come together. I'm hardly a hard science person and very willing to believe a thing, but it's quite difficult to make time travel believable. Time travel plots used to be quite common in romance novels. It makes sense that when we sometimes feel dissatisfied with our current times and the way relationships work or don't work in our reality, we fantasize about the olden times that may seem more romantic or more exciting to us. So there were ladies from current times traveling back to fall in love with outlaws, vikings, knights and lords. But how to give them a happily ever after ending? It's quite hard to pull off. In A Knight in Shining Armor by Jude Devereaux, Douglas is the modern heroine and Nicholas the knight. They meet first in modern times and later in the Middle Ages, starting a romance and saving each other from a cruel fate in each time. And they end up separated twice. To give them a happy ending, Devereaux uses the device of reincarnation and Douglas meets Nicholas again in the form of a descendant who inherited his soul. While I quite like the fish-out-of-water experiences of both characters in each other's times, I hated the conclusion to the story. I also heard that the book does not hold up for modern readers. It was first published in 1989 and it shows. Other romance novels use magic spells or dreams or mirrors or curses to explain the time travel. One of the problems of time travel in romance is that even if the olden times are very much romanticized in those stories, we still are aware of how hard life actually was, especially for women. How can we, for example, believe in a happily ever after when we know that our heroine might soon die in childbirth? Also, the bathroom situation. On the other hand, many of the male heroes would do very badly in modern times, and this is in part what makes them so attractive to the reader. I have seldom read a romance with this plotline that found a good solution to this dilemma. In Awaken My Love by Robin Schone, the modern-day heroine switches bodies with a younger woman from the Victorian age. I remember really liking the heroine and the writing, but a lot of the book is problematic, as there are good reasons to why the real wife hated sex with her titled husband so much she fled to the future. There is also some cultural appropriation I was not aware of when I read the book a long time ago. It was first published in 1995. The Victorian age is maybe the best time period to travel back to and stay for romantic purposes, as if you are among the affluent, there already were some of the modern niceties to be had. Which makes it believable for us that Meg Ryan might actually want to stay there with you, Jackman in Kate and Leopold, a movie that came out in 2002. Another time travel movie that I liked, and which is not romantic at all, was the French film Les Visiteurs, which came out in 1993 and is still the fifth most successful French comedy today. It was called Die Besucher in German and The Visitors in English and is about a knight and his squire from medieval times who are sent to modern France because of a witch's curse. While the squire quite likes the future world, the knight desperately wants to get back to his promised wife and the lands where he wants to build his dynasty. 
Here the Middle Ages are not romanticized, but instead shown in the most ugly way possible. And that is where a lot of the humor comes from. When Diane Gabaldon started out to write what later became the Outlander series, she wanted to write a historical novel, but she had a hard time writing the story from a female perspective that would fit the voice of a woman of that time, which made her turn to time travel. That way Claire could be as modern as the author wanted her to be, and it added a lot of drama and endless possibilities to the story. While Outlander features some amazing romances and shows relationships over a length of time that we usually don't find in any genre, the books are certainly not romances. They are mostly historical novels with a bit of paranormal thrown in. Gabaldon makes good use of the time-traveling device in that Claire goes back to modern times, believing her beloved Jamie dead, to raise his child with her first husband Frank. That makes for an interesting first encounter between the grown daughter and her Highland chief dad and also keeps Claire fit and healthy for her reunion with Jamie after Frank's death. While I am among those fans that will follow Claire's and Jamie's journey to the very end, I am aware that the length and scope of the books do not appeal to everyone and that some of the content is very triggering to read. Gabaldon is a cruel author and does torment her characters and her readers in ways I would never forgive a lesser writer. The first book came out in 1991 and for those who don't want to commit to reading thousands and thousands of pages, I recommend to listen to the audio. There is also the TV series to watch which I cannot say much about as I chickened out before the end of the second season. Another very cruel writer is Jodie Taylor, who gave us the Chronicles of St. Mary's. She takes the scientific approach to time travel in that St. Mary's is an institute in the near future where actual historians study history by actually traveling to historical places. This is a lot harder to do than it sounds and the perils are great. The first book is called Just One Damn Thing After Another and the cheeky title already shows some of the author's way with words and her wit. But while there is a lot of humor in the books, there is also tragedy and the romance. The romance annoyed me so much that I stopped reading the series after book four, but I already know that I will continue eventually with the series as the writing and the storytelling are just so good. If you love history, this is the series for you. Similarly dark but meant for younger readers is the Time Rider series by Alex Garrow. The main characters are a group of teenagers, all saved in the nick of time from certain death in different times and places. They are recruited to be agents to protect time from changing and have to live outside of time, below a bridge in New York, with a lab full of equipment to help them save the world again and again. For them, it is always September 11 in 2001. And whenever they see something change, they are called to action. The time travel takes them to a lot of interesting places in history, very similar to St. Mary's, but written more in an action movie style, I believe the author is also a screenwriter and it shows. The books are fast-paced and action-packed and there is an overarching plotline that binds the books together. Also for younger audience, but much more light-hearted and fun, 
is the Precious Stone trilogy by Kerstin Gier. The first volume is called Ruby Red, or in its German original, Rubin Rot. Gwen is 16 and knows about time travel because the gene for it runs in her family. She's quite happy that it is her cousin and not herself who has to do all that studying and preparing for a dangerous time-traveling future. And she's quite surprised and completely unprepared when it is she who suddenly jumps through time. I read the books while commuting by train and was asked several times what I was reading because I was laughing so much. The worst part of the book is the teenage romance, which is very run-of-the-mill teen fantasy stuff. But who cares when the reading is such fun? And now for the star of this episode, a time travel romance that took me completely by surprise by its quality and scope. Too bad it is not October anymore, as this is the perfect book to read before Halloween. This marvel of a book is called A Stitch in Time and was written by Kelly Armstrong. It has a haunted house, Thorn Manor, a childhood friend to lovers romance, a dangerous moor, a hero who is accused of a crime, a heroine finally ready to solve a traumatizing childhood mystery, and a cute kitten who gets into trouble a lot. What is not to like? I listened to the audiobook and the narration was excellent. And now, please listen to Diane talking about the nature of time and the inspiration she gleans from it. Time travel is an amazing thing, not something I know much about, but something I think we're all appreciating more and more as things in our society go so fast. What was uh, unique, unusual, is so quickly commonplace. I can remember in the 60s when man went on the moon and my dad, who was not very interested in TV, was glued and woke me up in the middle of the night to come and see this eventful, unbelievable happening on our TV. And nowadays, so many things happen so quickly and change before we even understand what really took place, I think. And what used to be such a long and ceremonious thing to court, to date somebody, has also gone by so quickly. Both my husband and I had been disappointed with Parship, and we met on um, in a text on a Friday, and we met in person on a Sunday. And he had changed his profile a bit, and he wanted somebody who was not looking, not looking for a meal ticket or so. He said, um, he said that he was a simple country boy, that his parents had had a sawmill, and that he lived in a small village. Well, I couldn't imagine that, but his writing was so, so enchanting. He wrote, I'm a Frenchman, and the English I'm writing is at the highest altitude for me. And I just thought that was great. So I wore a pretty sleek black dress, and I put a blue jeans jacket over it to honor the sawmill 
And when I got to the train station where he met me, it seemed like there was a country gentleman waiting for me. We were very early to go to the restaurant for our lunch date, so he suggested that we go back to his place for tea. Now, my brother is much more savvy with computer dating and all that, and the first drill he said, never get in a car with a man you don't know, never go to his house. And here was I about to break all the rules, and yet it seemed to be okay. So I went with this simple man in a 20-year-old car, and we pulled into this very big, quite stately home. And he opened the gate, and then we went up, and I truly thought, this man must be the caretaker here, and the owners aren't here. So we went in, and the first thing I could say was, it's like being in a museum. There was only old things around me. There were things I didn't even know what they were or recognize. There was wallpaper everywhere. There were pictures and flowers and sculptures. And I thought, how can this be? And I asked, are you sure we can be here? And he said, yes, of course, this is my house. And I started to ask about some of the things. Some of the things he didn't even really know what they were. For an example, there was this long cloth thing, and he said, oh, we used to, that was um, a bread bag. Ah, yeah, a bread bag. And, 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 many things were like that. And as we talked, we realized from his experience in the 50s and my experience in the 50s, Switzerland and America were maybe about a decade apart. He still remembered horses on the roads. Um, outside the family house was a trough where horses could drink. We now have flowers in that. Um, village life, uh, he lived by the train station, and how there used to be porters, and men waited until the women got on, and I came from Detroit, Motor City, and we didn't have that, or not that I knew of. I was very impressed by the, um, the knowing of the, the village life and how he explained it to me. It could have been um, Little House on the Prairie kind of thing. And when I told him some of my experiences about the 50s, he also couldn't believe that. So he came from a village where the family was well known and village traditions were respected and things were regulated by uh, unwritten common courtesy. And I came from immigrants. My parents came from Montreal to Detroit so my father could get a better job. And on our, and on our own, we, we didn't have family, we didn't have traditions. There wasn't much to respect 
not that we were disrespectful, but there wasn't much to respect because we didn't know anybody or know the ways. So it, um, it was wonderful when I came to Switzerland in 1980 and moved to Bern to see the charming, colorful, historical city. And I felt like I was in Disneyland and I just loved it all. Um, when Paul, my husband, came to visit me in Bern, he was absolutely gobsmacked. For him, it was just all so hectic, hectic, hectic. People everywhere, people eating, um, sitting on the ground, people not looking up with their mobiles, and, 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 and getting on a bus by himself. Well, I tell you, that was an adventure. I laughed and thought that he was exaggerating terribly. We got along, he was charming, I was entertaining and lighthearted. Time passed and we married and I moved to the village. I loved village life. Um, I really felt like I was in a different world and because of Corona and the time of year, um, we spent a lot of time here before I went back to, to Bern. And lo and behold, when we went back to Bern, I was gobsmacked. Everything from the moment I was in the train station was just so hectic, so many people, so much going on. So it helped me to appreciate that things really are quite relative. And when we think of that, to acknowledge that time is a constant. It goes on regardless. We feel it, but we aren't aware of it. And life goes on. Many things that were deadly become harmless or avoidable. We survive what was the impossible. And the novel, the improbable, becomes the common every day. I'm keenly aware of this right now because tomorrow I go to the hospital for an operation that gives me many more years to live for in health and happiness. A death sentence could have been the case not so many years ago. I believe in the eternal and forever, but I'm in no hurry to test the point. So embracing time where we're at, where we're at, some time ahead, right on or back a bit, but to live it in the moment, wherever we find ourselves in time and space, that's the important thing. And we have created and enjoyed it so why not make the most of it? Even if it's a sad time, make the best out of it and learn from it. Because time is a constant, but it doesn't come back again. So, that's the message of the day. Time, time, time is on our side. Let's be there with it. Have a good day, folks. More later. Bye-bye. <laughs>